With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Did you just see that? Vanner just texted us and said that he's ready whenever we are. Text him back and say, we'll get to you when we're ready. I don't know who he thinks he is. He was a star, you know, a few years back. He ain't a star on this show anymore. Text him back there, Petey. What do you want me to write? No, you want me to look like the asshole. Well, I'll that's, do it. I don't care. That's the thing. And like, you are the asshole. Like, you are so soft, man. No, I just, I wouldn't write that. That's not something that I would say. And I think Thomas knows that. Just sit and wait. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Episode um, 112. Did you watch the match last night? Are we rolling? You know we're rolling. We're always rolling. You said it yesterday. Uh, I how, did watch how dog shit was the match. It's, I'm so sorry to everybody. Yeah, so Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Bills Mafia. I get it. I get it. We love our star. But oh my God, don't tell me that all of Bills Mafia and even even Patrick Mahomes fans and the, the Packers fans and Tom Brady's fans stuck around to watch the whole entirety of that shit. I did. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. I, 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 uh, I was at the rink last night. I taped the game and I taped uh, the match. I was so excited about this match. I, was I? For the last couple of weeks, I could not sleep at night because I wanted to see these four guys play. I bet that's not true, but nice dramatization. Carry on. I am, I am not kidding you. I am not kidding you when I say this. I was so excited about this. Okay. I forgot I watched about the it hockey game yesterday afternoon, but anyway. I watched the hockey game last night. Fell asleep a couple times because holy shit balls is that boring, boring hockey. Like it's just it's just boring. You know, there's no no energy, no jam, no passion, no anger from Tampa Bay. Where was Patrick uh, uh, Maroon? Late in the game, he, they got into a little bit of a rough house, but nothing, really? yeah, nothing um, significant. So, what's your point about the match? Well, I watched the hockey game, finished the hockey game. Um, couldn't happen quicker, quick enough. 
And then uh, I could not wait. Got a nice little bowl of, bowl of chips, you know, got a nice cold cleansing lager. Now I was ready. Josh Allen. You know what I took out of this? You know what stick I took to, out of the match? Stick to football? No. Oh. These guys are all athletes. They all can play golf. Just that one guy was a lot worse than the rest. <laughs> and what that, what that was saying to me the whole time, the whole time I was thinking, you know, represent, represent, represent the, the, the Buffalo base, you know. And I'll tell you, Josh sucked. He struggled. I mean, I am, I am the whole entire time, I am thinking someone 20 feet from where these guys are standing are going to take a ball to the head. <laughs> these guys are, they're not professionals. I don't know why those, those fans people, were lined up like, so like it was the PGA tour. I'm thinking to myself, any one of these guys can tow so, it at any so minute. So stupid. So stupid. They hit so many fans. It was, <laughs> it was like, you know, bingo night. Ding, 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 ding. It was unbelievable. Guys going down, hitting the head, the arm, the back. And uh, the whole time, I, this is what I thought about after watching Josh Allen play the first eight holes. I was thinking to myself, I love Josh Allen even more than what I did an hour and a half before this. Why is that? Because Josh Allen very clearly is not on the golf course improving his game. He is in the gym and he is working out. Because there's no way that he's playing golf regularly because holy crap, man, he did not hit a fairway. He was all over the place. So why did he do it? Because he's a stallion. He's an absolute stallion. The guy is the most likable freaking guy on the planet. I'm watching Tom Brady. And listen, man, I have been in Buffalo for 15 years and really only started to watch football a couple years before that when I got to San Jose because I played in I played in in Montreal for years and we never oh you did you played in Montreal for years no nobody knew that hence you wearing the freaking Montreal Expo hat there uh wiener but don't worry about it anyway what this has to do with your time in Montreal but anyway exactly I'm I'm I, I didn't watch football so my my football is about Bills Mafia. It's about, you know, <laughs> a long, long, long time that they didn't make the playoffs. But looking at what they've built now, starting with, you know, the Pagoulas putting the money in and, and hiring the right people and in and, uh, Bean and just continuing to watch this team build something special. It's like, man, there's a lot of good things happening here. But let me tell you something. Josh Allen is a very, very likable person. And I'm watching Tom Brady. I mean, his, his sense of humor is so dry and so, like, guarded. And then all of a sudden, he's saying something about Josh Allen's body, like, as, as, a, as him being, like, chunky or fat, you know? Like, it just doesn't go over well because it's coming from such a dry place. God, I would have had a great line. <laughs> I would have had a great line. Just, for, you want to hear what I would have said? You want to know what I would have said to Tom Brady? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> if I, he I, made that comment to me about my body, it's it's open game. It's open game. It's open game, right? I would have said to Tom, hey, Tom, when you take a shit, do you have to wipe your ass and your chin? Uh, but that's the thing. What people don't understand. <laughs> like, I mean, what people don't understand <laughs> if, if those four guys played together with no cameras. That would be a completely different game. The jabs that would be going back and forth would be legendary. And Aaron Rodgers, who basically had his head in the sand the entire time, didn't say anything so dry. It's like, oh, my God, is this guy even alive? Check his pulse. That guy would in, in a different environment would be a completely different person. And you know what? <laughs> at, the, at the end of it, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Um, Josh Allen, thank God that you're not a great golfer because that means that you're probably working on your craft because we're gonna win the we're gonna win the Super Bowl this year, and uh, he's gonna have the last laugh, man. We're all gonna have the last laugh. Go Bills! So you thought that game last night was boring? Yeah. Did you did you think it was great? You know what? I only thought it was great because I really want the Rangers to win. So okay. I guess. From that standpoint, but you didn't think I thought the game was amazing. The first goal, then the counter, then the next goal, then the counter, and then and now it's three, two, four, two. I mean, it like that was I I didn't mind that game one bit. I think they were feeling each other out. I think it was a you know, like I don't think anybody wanted to go and take the reins on trying to outmuscle everybody. But on the first goal, I wanted to ask you, where was Zach Bogosian going? Didn't want to bring that up. Well, no, no, Didn't no, no. Want- I'm not picking on. I'm not picking on him. I'm just. I, I mean, I think. I think it turns into a pick on fest. But I'm just. I'm looking at it. and I was thinking, how is Kreider so wide open? It's listen. That's that's how things happen in any game, whether it's in the NHL, whether it's in youth hockey, small breakdowns. And when you're when you're in a p- position like that, where Zabanajad beats his guy up the ice. It's ultimately a two-on-one. Zach Bogosian has absolutely no reason to leave his position in front of the net to go to Zibanejad. It's a breakdown, which results in a goal. What's up, Elliot? What's up, guys? Oh, nothing. We were just, uh, we started recording after we realized you, you know, you may pull a no show, but I was uh, never going to pull a no show. I was not going to pull a no show. All right. All right. Well, Hey, you know, it's not like you haven't done it before. Hey, big will. No, I'm just, I'm just just serious. Um, He's in that mood today, Elliot. I'm just going to let you know right now. He's in that mood. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. Um, What are you in a mood about? No, nothing. Just very antagonistic. Okay. Just like yesterday and the day before that, but uh, in the last forty-two years. But other than that, you know, no, we were actually, you know what, Elliot, we were talking. We just started talking about the game last night, but uh, we were chatting about the match, the Tom Brady and Rogers. I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Lucky you. It wasn't good, eh? I like <laughs> those things. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. Wasn't good is an is a is an understatement. 
Do you think it's because they didn't have, you know, real golfers there? No, it's because I don't think they had any real personalities there. Oh, <laughs> I can live with the bad golf. That's relatable to most people watching. Yes. Yeah. You know, you Patrick know, Mahomes was, to me, Patrick Mahomes was uh, the entire show. Tom Brady is as dry and as like, I mean, he is just, he makes you, your eyes bleed listening to him talk. Like it's, it's not good. That, and so it should make your ears bleed. You know what's bleed, even worse but... than Tom Brady is <laughs> like watching Aaron Rodgers. Like he, I think he actually thought that he was on the PGA tour. You know, he, the thing, interesting thing about Rodgers is that if, you know, I don't really think about it a lot this way because I just watch for the football. But a lot of people who watch much deeper than I do, Craig, find him very unlikable. He is. He's got a, an aura about him where I think to the public, okay, because he's in the limelight, and this is what I'll say about Aaron Rodgers, I don't dislike Aaron Rodgers at all. Um, I can't say that he's um, misrepresented or it, it's not him, but he is not – he's got a really dry personality. It's just mm-hmm. who he is. Um, I've met people like him before. I, I, it's not that I dislike him, but I mean, it's just his personality. I'll tell you who's more unlikable is, is Tom Brady. Like, and it has nothing to do. I, I with don't, me. I don't see that. I, I like, no. I don't feel that way. I really admire that guy. The, the I admire him too. He, I don't think he's unlikable. I, you know, I, I, I can tell you this. If I was tortured in the AFC East for all those years, like or AFC North or whatever, I can't remember what all the divisions are called. If I was tortured like Buffalo had been by Tom Brady, I might hate him too, but I don't find him unlikable. I'll, I think the interesting thing about Brady is this. I think he's intentionally boring when he doesn't have control of the situation. If you look at some of his tweets and Instagram posts and some of his creative videos and the project he's, projects he's worked on, I actually think they're quite amazing, but I think when he, when it's live and he doesn't have control, um, you know, when he's live and doesn't have control, he's intentionally boring. I, I do think that. Not he's a not fan. likable. He is not likable. I you don't, don't think he's likable? I think he he's really is likeable. the kid in the schoolyard that's going to take his ball and go home because he's a suck. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Listen, like he was throwing, you know, some banter out and the entire time, like I just sat at home and I was just thinking someone's got to start roasting this guy. Like, give me a break. I don't give a shit if he has 12 Super Bowls. This guy's throwing stuff. He's calling Josh Allen fat, you know, this and that. I'm like, he should be like, Tom, have you taken I tell you what I, what I, your body? I, I, like, I tell you what, what I'm talking about. I tell you what I would have said to Tom Brady, but you have to listen to the first part of the show that you missed. I thought I had a pretty good rip on him, but I don't know if that one would have gone out over TV, but I don't find him likable at all. I think he's annoying as hell. I said to really, I said to Riff, if he pulled up here in a limo, knocked on my door and said, Hey, Andrew, let's go to lunch. I'd be like, fuck off, Tom. No, you wouldn't. No, No, I probably wouldn't. wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go. I don't know that I would go. go. I don't know that I would go. Elliot. No, but I would, you know what I would say to Elliot? I'd say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Would you sign this football though for me? (laughs) Before you leave, Tom. (laughs) I like your hat, by the way. Thank you. You think I'm joking when I say this? 
I have no reason to go to lunch with Tom Brady. No, you, I think, might actually be serious. There's no way Andrew is. Whoa. <laughs> what? You're questioning my word here, Elliot? No, it's not that I'm questioning your word. It's just that I know you. I know that you have a natural curiosity and you are like you are a guy who likes experiences, right? And so like experiences, you, Elliot. you would go, you would go just to come on the podcast and say, I got to tell this story about what happened with, me you know today. what, you know what, Elliot, when you think about it this way, if he knocked on my door, I'd say, fine, Tom, I'll go to lunch with you, but you got to come on the podcast. <laughs> but, and all, and also, you know what, or can you I record it, while we're going? <laughs> exactly. And you'd give it to him. You say, I, I can't believe I'm here. I, I think like, you're like you're good like that's the way you are craig i can totally see it craig you would just sit there and say you know what no this is this is not happening if tom brady knocked on my door right now and said let's go to lunch i'm going to lunch because i think he's a fast he you cannot argue with his success i'm curious about what makes that guy tick i know what craig would say craig would say tom if i wanted to go to lunch with you i'd pull up in a limo in front of your house (laughs) (laughs) all right all right elliot what do we think of game one the game ones i um i thought that uh i i was really impressed by the rangers i mean tampa wasn't at their best but a lot of that has to do with the rangers i thought they were great um they they you always we were having a big debate and you guys um you guys would know this better than me, but Justin Bourne came up with a great stat that if you're a team that plays seven games for, and has no rest versus a team that has rest, the team that has no rest, I think, has won the last seven series like that. And, and to me, Tampa wasn't sharp, and the Rangers came in there and took advantage of that and killed them. you like rest or no rest? Um. N- <laughs> I think in game one, I think it absolutely benefits the Rangers. When, you're, when your mental psyche and your body is all channeled in the same direction, and thank, hopefully you do not have any major injuries, I think that just continuing to play and staying in the zone is very important. For the longevity throughout the entire playoffs, I think rest and less games is huge. Elliot, do you do you know what Tampa was doing in their time off? Like, did they were they golfing? Do they have any team events? I mean, I, like- they, they had they had a, they had a couple days off, and then they they ramped it up. They did battle drills like three times in practice. But as Kelly said last night, you can't you can't compare that because you, there's no hate, right? So they had a bit of downtime, and they uh, and, and then they practiced. I don't know that they went away anywhere. I don't believe they did, but I could be wrong about that. There was no real hate in this game either, though. Would you agree with that? I thought I told I told Andrew today until the end. The, the end there was couldn't control those guys. That was embarrassing. Like, come on, like Wes, stop standing there and help your linesman out. <laughs> I, I I just I I'm I expected more from the energy of the game, but then I you know you asked rest versus no rest. I mean it. I, that was the question going into it. You have, you have two teams on completely opposite schedules. One swept and one went to game seven. And I absolutely, I believe what Rivs is saying. Like, I think New York is just, 
you know, their bodies are, are on that clock and they're used to that grind where Tampa kind of, you know, it looks like it, it took them a little bit to, to almost, you know, get into it physically, but I don't see this series being a fast series at all, at all. I mean, I no, think, no. I think it's, I think we're in for a hell of a series. I thought, uh, I thought Shesterkin was awesome. Yeah. Oh, he was awesome. I even thought Vasilevsky was good for a while, and then finally they just pounded him. But so here's here's a question I'm asking in my notes today: Is this the greatest playoff year ever? I can't believe you just asked that because yesterday I, I was I was thinking about it. This is this is the greatest playoffs that I've ever watched, ever watched in in my entire life. Think about it: two games, two game ones in conference finals, Elliot. Combined twenty-two goals. Like, when was the last time we saw that? I don't remember. The other thing too is just we're we're one off the record for game sevens. You know, the record is seven. We're at six. Um, and and the quality of hockey, as you said, has been excellent. I, I was thinking about it. There's been three other years with seven game sevens, and. 2014, I didn't think was a great playoff because I think the Stanley Cup final has to be great for the playoffs to finish great, and that was a that was not a great final. But 2011 was a great final, and 94 was a great final. Like when I think about the best year of playoffs ever, 94 is the best one. That's but Rangers one, Vancouver, yes. and that went to Game Seven. What was the other one yes. you said? Uh, Bruins Canucks went to game seven and right. that was a great final Canucks were up and two th- nothing in that series. Yes. And in and 2014 was a bad final. That was uh, Kings over the Rangers four to one. That was a bad final. But the other thing about 94 was not only was the final great, but remember the semifinal was Rangers devils in game seven, double overtime. That's right. Yeah. I'm still trying to process. I'm still trying to process. Is this the greatest playoffs ever? And, and the answer to that is like, absolutely not. I have said, what is with you today? I, and he said, I'm the problem. You know what? Listen. So I went on the other day, I think it was on Twitter and we had Claude Lemieux on there and Claude Lemieux was talking about the series with the uh, Colorado avalanche. Or, or, mm-hmm. or the Detroit Red Wings and the hatred mm-hmm. between those two teams. Yeah. Like the pure hatred. It was absolutely yep. incredible. Like that was not, that was not a series. That was like life and death playing for each other. It was a war. It was fighting. It was elite, elite skill in those, in that series. You could feel like, you know, you talk about, the end of the game skirmish, okay, between the Rangers and, and Tampa Bay. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. happened throughout the entire series True. with those teams. Like, it's, it's a completely, completely different style of game. And we're yep. talking about, we're talking about they had star-studded players, the Sackicks, the Eisman, the Shanahans, like, you name it. I think if I'm, I think Forsberg was on the team. Like yes, he was. They were loaded with star mm-hmm. power, but those stars played and fought. And you got Patrick Waugh fighting. Uh, who is the, um, um, the, the Vernon and Osgood? Vernon and Osgood. It was just like I mean, 
those series, you could not take your eyes off one second of that entire series watching those games. Not one second could you take your eyes off the TV. I was telling Petey this morning, I'm like, I was so bored at some point watching that Rangers Tampa Bay game last night. I was just like, what the hell, man? This is this is this playoff hockey in, in, in a conference finals? That's that that's just my feeling. Like I don't think and I've said to Petey many times that I really enjoyed the playoffs. I enjoyed the speed and the skills and the high scoring mm-hmm. games. But there's just something about there's just something about the game that when it just becomes personal. And hey, right now we're not getting that. Well, Elliot, you yeah. asked that question for a reason. Well, go ahead. You were going to say something, but you asked that question for a reason. What are your thoughts on it? But if you want to counter what Riv was saying, go for it. Well, first of all, Craig, I would say that um, I don't disagree with you with any, with anything you're saying. I would only say that the, the biggest fights in those series happened in the regular season. They weren't in the playoffs. Like the big brawls that you're referring to, those were regular season. So I'm talking about just pure playoff action. Yeah. And, you know, those were great series, and I won't argue that with you. It was phenomenal hockey, and I'm looking forward to that ESPN documentary. But generally, a lot of those playoffs, like, for example – you know, the Red Wings went to the Stanley. If you remember, I think there were four, there were one, two, there were three sweeps in a row. Like the Red Wings swept Philadelphia. There were four sweeps in a row because the Devils swept the Red Wings, Colorado swept Florida, and then the Red Wings swept Philly and they swept Washington. Like that's just not, like your Stanley Cup final has to be great for it to be a great playoff. I understand where you're coming from. The one thing I think, Craig, is that I think that while we don't have the hate like those guys had, the one thing I do happen, I do think that happens is in the regular season, there's too many no-hitters and no-hate games. But in the playoffs, like everybody talks about how the refereeing changes in the playoffs. I, I don't believe that. I think the players change in the playoffs. You can't play 82 games like that anymore. The game is too fast, and the players are too big and too strong. But in the playoffs, they're like, okay, there were things I wouldn't do in the regular season. Well, I'm going to do them now. Like, I looked at the way Svechnikov ran over Lindholm in the first round of the playoffs. Like, that Svechnikov is a big, strong kid. Yep. He's not going to do that in the regular season, but he did that. Remember a couple of years ago when he fought Ovechkin? Like, to me, he is an example of the way the regular season changes. The, in the playoffs, these guys all show up to play. They play hard. They hit through people, and it's tough. It's I don't think it's ever going to be as mean as it was in 96 or 97 or whenever that was, but I do think that the, the competitive nature and the fearsomeness of the playoffs is still still very good. I think, I think, that, I think on that first goal last night, I think that's an interference penalty at the red line in the regular I, season. I, I'd have to go back. Yeah, and look the guy makes the right. play, takes the hit to make the play, and he hits him from behind, and he knocks him over. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that that might be a penalty in the regular season, and that goal isn't scored, the Kreider goal. It was, you yeah. know, but but I mean, and that's yeah. a simple little thing. I could let that go, but I could also call it. But in game 43 of the regular season on a Tuesday night, that's a penalty, mm-hmm. you know. So you I know, mean, that, the, that, you know, the interesting thing too about the playoffs is we talk about an 82 game schedule. In, in the regular season, you play a certain style and then all of a sudden you hit the playoffs and you have a completely different birth of, of a player. 
And my, my best analogy that I can think of right now is these kids, when I grew up, I played more road hockey, okay? I played more road hockey than I did ice hockey. And I played a lot of ice hockey. And my analogy is, you know, when you set up the two teams that, you know, on you pick sticks and you make sure that you have two teams that are, that are even and you, and you play a game to 10 and you always say, you got to win by two. So when it's nine, nine, that's when the playoffs start. Because the level of anything that you do, whether it's playing road hockey with your buddies, the game between goal number one to goal number nine, and now all of a sudden you got to win by two, that's when the playoff starts. Everything, you run harder, you do things, you back check harder, everything that you do, you go to another level because you want to win. And that's Mm -hmm. what the playoffs are. The playoffs are these guys are going to throw everything it's about winning it's all about winning elliot nothing like nothing like comparing stanley cup playoffs to a nine nine childhood street hockey game (laughs) but you know what i'm talking about every single one of these kids right now Petey. every single one every single one of them whether they played in the czech republic germany they all played street hockey okay we called it road hockey and every single one of those kids, every single one of those kids, they have a trigger that when it gets to a certain point, then the light switch goes on. And now all of a sudden the level of play goes up. And I know it's a small analogy, but these kids, all these players in the NHL, they all know what it's like, whether they played youth hockey and they go into a tournament and they're in the last game they they elevate their game. This is what these guys do. And now once you hit the playoffs, they've been programmed since they were little kids to elevate their game to another level. Something that you can't sustain for an 82-game season. That's why I love the playoffs so much because it's it's so different. You have the best players in the world elevating and doing anything to win. Elliot, I was in uh, I was in Canada on the other what was it what night was it was it what night Tuesday oh, night that was a nice note you sent me thanks very much listen listen Tuesday night because I'm sitting there and I'm like what am I missing here on this offside how is this a goal I watched them call it and I said okay there's no way that something that looks this obvious that gets called a goal we're missing something what are it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline we missing here and then we we cut to the intermission and there's you giving an outstanding uh relaying the rules uh so clearly and uh so so good job on that but were you as confused as maybe everybody else when it yes. was called a goal and so you were initially i was initially i said no way that's a goal but you know what really helped me were some of the video coaches in the league who started reaching out to me and saying you know here's what you should look for and you know, there's, there's been a few plays and, you know, I'll just say them on the podcast. So if anybody 
you know, wants to look them up, they can, or they're in my blog uh, the other day, or there's one coming out later today and they're in there again. Um, it's uh, Charlie McAvoy, Bruins against Vancouver. It's uh, Thomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher, Canadians against Vancouver. Um, it's, uh, uh, what's the, oh, Michael Bunting last year, Arizona against the Kings. And there's one with uh, Jonathan Taves and Richard Ponick from 2017, that's Chicago against Colorado. And actually, that's the one that kind of started it all. That's the first one where there was a call like this, and it counted. And what the video coaches told me was, if you've seen that before, you've had that called in your game, you know what that is. And he said that what's probably happened, and I think he's right because I couldn't find one, that's never happened to Edmonton before. Like, he was watching the game on TV, this guy told me, and, you know, he didn't reach out to me right away, but I texted him later. He goes, like, I was expecting your text. He goes, uh, he goes, um, you know, we had that happen to us. And I watched, I was watching, and he, I said he felt terrible for that Edmonton video coach because he had it happen to him, so he knew. And Edmonton obviously didn't know. But in the moment, Andrew, I was like, no way, that's offside. Yeah. That's, that's, what are they going to do to so fix can, that? Can I well, ask you, how can they? Is that offside? I know the rules. You, you just explain me the rules, but is that offside? You know, Craig, and here's like, the thing why can't say, this be black and black and white? Like, what is know, going on here that we have to, you know, now look at a, every 99% of people all said, well, that's that goal, goal is being called back. It's clearly yeah. offside. Yeah. Like, is that an offside? Why are they? Why are they making things so confusing? You know, uh, Craig. There's a lot. Of, it's a. It's a good question. You know, I remember when we brought in video review. Colin Campbell was one of the guys who said to me, "We're going to regret this. We're going to things are going to happen that we're going to say, oh, man, we never thought that was going to happen.'" And yeah. this was one of them. And by the way, Craig, I will say to you, most of the people who said that that was no goal were player, current or former players. Like they were like, that's no goal. That's offside. And you know what the other thing too is, and I really believe this now, is that for most people watching hockey, that's offside. In your beer league or your university intramural league or your kids league, that's offside. And you know what the difference is between those leagues and the NHL? The NHL has a situation room with a bunch of 8K TVs where they can slow it down and say, no, no, no. That wasn't offside. And I think that's part of the problem in this particular case is that in a, in a lot of leagues that a lot of people play and watch, that goal isn't scored. And so when that league has a goal and every other league doesn't have a goal, I, I think it's jarring. Do you think they'll change the rule? I think that I think that um, I think the whole rule book needs to be redone. I think the rule book needs to be modernized. Yeah. It's a big, big job, but I think it needs to be redone. Just little things like this. Just can, I think you can make it a little bit more simple. So people at home that are watching the game that, you know, are not on Twitter all the time or, you know, that are watching they just understand what is right and what is wrong. And, and when you look at that, 99% of people are saying that that's going to be offside. It's going to be overturned. And then all of a sudden when the ref goes and says, that's a good goal, everyone's at home going, what the hell? I've never seen this before. 
I don't like the goal. I understand the goal because you explained it very, very well. And now I do understand it. I still don't like the goal. But I don't like it either. Hopefully they can. I, I, I don't. I don't like that it has. To, I, I. I hate that we have to go to review in a playoff game. You know what I mean? It's like, I just wish there was something they could do. There has yeah. to be something they can do. There has to be. Can you? Can you widen the blue lines? Like, do you make the blue lines smaller? I mean, does that help one way or the other? Like, what can we do so that we can prevent this from happening? Because you know, just, the reason you, the reason you have to have review is because. You know, it, it, because, it, I mean, remember why this all happened. That hand pass in the offensive zone, San Jose, St. Louis, in uh, what year was it? 2019. Um, we were all screaming, you got to be able to review that, right? So the moment there's a, a controversial play and you can't review it, people are like, you're fucking stupid. Why don't you have review? Like, no matter what you do, Andrew, you're going to get, you're you're going to get that, right? Yeah. So... I look at it. I look at it that way. I think that I think you have to have it. I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm pro goals. I think we want more goals. So at the end of the day, if you're going to tell me that's a goal, and you're going to call it consistently, I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I know where you're coming from. Like I get it. I totally get it. Thomas okay. Vanek now joining the show comes in with a sweater that's uh, cut off at the arms and <laughs> not a big deal. Like been working out. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, right. You have. <laughs> so uh, Vanner going to join us here with Elliot. Elliot said he has 15 minutes. The reason why a hey, hey, Vanner, the reason why we had to make you wait so long is because Elliot showed up late. Well, I'm sorry. He's Thomas. a big deal. I'm always late. I'm always late. No, I'll tell you my, my, one of my favorite stories about Thomas just from covering him is when he got traded to Montreal, he was on, you guys got really hot. You had a great line. It was you and David Dayarnay. And who was the third guy on that line? Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty. That's right. And uh, we did a piece on the three of you and how well you were playing. And Pacioretty said, it was the weirdest thing. He says, I love playing for Thomas, but there was a weird thing that he likes that I, I can't get used to. And I said, what's that? And he goes, Thomas doesn't want me to put my stick on the ice. He says, just be in the area and I'll get it to the area and you be ready to knock it in. So we put that to air and Kelly Rudy was watching this interview. And at the end of the interview, he's like, how is that possible? How can Thomas Vanek not want Pacioretty's stick on the ice? And he was distracted by it for the whole show. The whole show, he's pointing at guys who've got their sticks on the ice so they can easily deflect or knock in passes. He goes, how can Vanek not want Pacioretty's stick on the ice? It bugged him the whole night, Thomas. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's again, what I, I knew the type of player I was and, um, playing with Patch. I mean, I think that was one of my biggest assets in the game is, is reading other players better than my own game. And, and for him, I mean, he had great hands, but again, I, I just felt like anytime he had a stick on the ice, it was easy to lift. So I, I, I kind of mm. didn't teach him or whatever. I just told him, just have it in the air. Demon will cross check you. I'll get in the area and you got good enough hands where you can get there quick enough. And now, um, yeah, I think that that line was fun. I mean, we, we got pretty good at that. Vannery, so you like you told him to keep his stick off the ice because it was easy to lift, and 
it was easier for him to bring the stick down than than my well, yeah, I, mean, right? I, I think it's that's that's something that I learned quickly. You know, I think I got away with it in, in, in juniors and college and the AHL even, but then uh, you know, finally making it to the big leagues, which obviously is everyone's dream. I mean, my my game was net front. And when you play those prongers, those big D man, when your stick is on the ice, they'll just cross check. You can tripod as much as you want. You're not going to get that stick on. So I just kind of said, you know, I'm going to have my stick in the air and I'm good enough where I can, you know, open up my blade like a sandwich and uh, tip it any way I want. So I think uh, that's when I really started to work on that craft. What do you think of that, Elliot? I'm pretty impressed. I'm going to go call Max Pacioretty, though, and tell him that Thomas Vanek was just on a podcast and said his stick was too easy to lift. I'm totally <laughs> going to say that to him. Well, tell him he'd be you know, making $8 million. It, it, He'd be making $8 million if it wasn't so easy to lift. That's well, right. I, I don't think that was Patch's game to, to begin with. You know, I think Patch was one of the first guys I played with where I was like, it's, it's the Austin Matthews nowadays. I mean, the way he could zip that puck off from any angle. That was impressive. I've never seen that before, before I played with Patch in Montreal. I mean, he had that big curve and he can sling it. I, I just thought that was one part of the game he could improve at. And he's a good, good hockey IQ, good mind. And he learns quickly. He's a great player. Well, I think you got to call Kelly Rudy, Elliot. That's the guy you got to call and make sure that there's clarity there for him. <laughs> I'll see him tonight. I'll tell yeah. him. You should, you should let him yeah. know. You should let him know because now the, the mystery is over. So, Van, as we brought you on, it was perfect timing because we were just uh, uh, winding down the conversation about the, the Kale McCarr goal the other night. Curious to know <laughs> as he starts laughing. <laughs> well, what's with the laugh? Well, Revs, you're quiet over there. What's going on? No, I listen. I get to sit back a little bit now and let the uh, big boys give their opinions. I'm done. I'm putting my feet up. Go ahead, boys. Uh, well, what's what was the argument, Petey? To me, it wasn't even. It's a, it's a non-argument. Kale McCarr is a top three defenseman in the league. He should be on the ice at all times. Oh no, no, I'm talking about the offside, the offside call in his goal. I, I there's so many rules I don't understand, and. Again, to me, I saw that first re- – I didn't even need the replay. I thought in watching live, I'm like, it's offsides. But then looking at the breakdown that Elliot made, it makes perfect sense because it's a tag-up. So, but at the same time, are you telling me that Makar lost the puck and then picked it back up, or did he have control the whole time? I don't know. Does that I- matter, Elliot, in, in the rules? Someone, someone explained to me that you should look at it like an icing, is that he's the last person to possess it, but he doesn't have control of it. So that's the way they, that's the way they look at it. Again, right. I, would t- I, I, would, you know, I would tell you guys to look at all those plays I mentioned before, the ones they're calling goals now. When you look at those other goals, it makes more sense. But it, now, no, we're, it, now we're in a debate whether the most skilled defenseman in the National Hockey League who's skating up the ice with the puck, is he pushing it forward just because you don't have the puck on your stick the entire time, but you still have control of it, right? You're pushing it, and in that, in that situation, you're telling me that he pushed it over the blue line, he paused for a 1-1000, 2-1000 to let Nikitushkin get out of the zone and then got control of it? No, 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 Craig. I don't think... They- this is another thing that is getting kind of screwed up. McCarr was onside when he first touched the puck. He's allowed to go chase the puck. 
Right. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it, it does make, it does make sense. It, it, it completely does because he pushed a puck in, waited, but at that, at the same time, I don't think he waited. I think it was just mm-hmm. lucky. There's no mm-hmm. way in hell that he can see out his corner eye and be like, okay, he touched the blue line. I can go now. I think it was just, but he had to, he, he, there's, but I agree with you that there's no way that he could have seen him out of the corner of his eye tug tag up, but there's no way that he could have missed that. He was in the zone when he was heading there. Right. I do think he slowed down a bit to give that extra second, but the way the timing was, there's no way you can time that perfectly. I think it was just has any way it was a good shot. It should have been a save. So has anyone matter. asked Kale McCarr, whether he knows the rule. You're gonna he, tell he, me was, that- he, he was interviewed in the post game and he said, and I think he was kind of dead panning a bit. He said, I was trying to give him as much time as I could to get out. Without stopping. Cause otherwise most guys would have come to a full stop. Yeah. It's amazing Look, that he had he gave, that presence. I of think mind. he well, I think he gave an answer that didn't embarrass anybody, and it's probably the politically correct answer. Right, but if you look at it the other way, so what if Kale McCarr instead of skating it in would have just dumped it in, and then chased the puck? You think anyone would have had any problems with that play? No, no. It's just because he scored on it. I mean, how many times do you see it? The puck comes out, the demon rims it in. And on the other side of the blue line, the guy goes and chases it. It's the same exact play, but it, you don't ever see it because it doesn't result in a goal. Well, well I'm sure we won't, uh, won't have to worry about seeing it again because everyone now knows the rule. We're learning a lot of rules in these playoffs, Elliot. Like there have been a few incidences where there have been rules come out where you're like, holy shit, I didn't even know that those existed, you know, mm-hmm. but What's your uh, what's your big story on the docket today for for Mister Thirty Two Thoughts? I don't really. I mean, I don't really have a huge one. I have to tell you, it's a bit quiet right now. I mean, the stuff we're all watching is trots, where all the coaches are going to end up. They're all kind of waiting for him to make up his mind. Um, is he the first domino. I think so. I think so. I mean, somebody could just say, "Look, we are not waiting any longer. We don't think we're going to get him and go somewhere else," but. I think it's fair to say he's the biggest domino. Um, and what are his you know options? What? what are his options? Vegas, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Philadelphia, Vegas, Philly, Dallas, Detroit. So if you were, let's just break it down. If you were Barry Trotz and you've played, uh, coached an ungodly amount of years in this league, mm-hmm. has had tremendous success. He's been at the... He's been in an organization for many, many, many years in Nashville that were were always fighting the cap, okay? Mm -hmm. But they still had competitive teams. Then he moved to, you know, he's moved around a little bit. At his age, at his age, do you think that he's looking for the most competitive team that can win, or is he looking to start all over again and rebuild? Because Detroit's in that, that phase. Philadelphia's in that phase. You know, you could you could ask yourself, where is where is Winnipeg? You know, you have your captain of the team that has obviously been, you know, not quoted, nothing quoted, but is not happy with the situation. In, in, I think in they've kind of sorted that one out a bit. Well, so they say in the media. No, well, I'm I, I'm in the media, so 
I kind of, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of responsible for that. Guess you I know think, how Craig feels about you, eh, Elliot? <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, what does he say when I'm not here? And now I'm really worried about this. Uh, he says about you when you're like two minutes late. Never mind, sixteen <laughs> minutes late. <laughs> I know, I know. I can only imagine. And that, and in that case, it's all deserved. Um, I, I do think, like, I think they've got a Dubois problem, Craig. I, I don't think he, I'm not convinced he wants to be there uh, long term yet. He might be, but um, I, I think they they have to make sure that he's willing to commit. And he has he's he's up for contract this year, right? Yeah, he's got we've got two more years to his non-restricted free agent. So <sighs> I, I I'm not convinced at this point in time that they can sign him for longer than two years. So all of a sudden, if you don't make peace with Shifley and he doesn't make peace with you, you go from having two number one centers to none. And I and I think Winnipeg recognizes that's not an ideal situation. Do you think that the situation with Dubois is more of a negotiation tactic? No. No. Okay. Doesn't his dad work for the team? Yeah, he's an assistant coach with the American Hockey League team in Manitoba. Well, there's no loyalty there then because he's not, you know, like his, you know, his dad doesn't necessarily, I thought maybe he was like, I forgot. I thought maybe like he was in management or something. And I'm like, well, there, no. then there goes that. Hmm. What is All the right. best spot for trots, Elliot? Do you think? I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, Thomas, you know, he has uh, like, he's got a bit of a family situation. He's got a boy that needs some special care. And so I think that he looks, Tom, he looks at it both as a combination of, you know, where's the best place to go and also where's the best place for my family. And uh, I, I would not discount that. I, like Winnipeg's going after him hard, Thomas. They're going after him mm-hmm. hard. And I think part of that is how can we make it so that you're comfortable and your family is comfortable in the situation that you're in? Like, I, I think the team of all the teams he's talking to, I, I think – like, I think Winnipeg's a better team than they showed this year. I thought they'd be the best team in Canada, and they absolutely had a horrible year. I think a guy like Trotz with his structure makes teams better. I think Winnipeg probably has the best goaltender of all those teams in Hellebuck. I think Dallas with Ottinger is probably second. I think if, if you're Trotz and you can create some structure and you can have Hellebuck, I think you've got a shot there, but I, I'll tell you this. I, I, think, I think their Dal- defense is very average. Yeah. You they don't have a number one no question. They don't have a number one defenseman. They don't have a number two defenseman. They don't even have a number three defenseman, <laughs> but they got a, but who's, who's their number three. Morrissey. Do some research, Craig point point taken. <laughs> No, let me ask oh, you. Oh, you don't like Let Morrissey. me ask you something. Who the best team is probably Vegas. I just wonder what it's going to be like for them next year. They got some things they got to fix there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I if I look at Trotz, and again, I've never played under him. Just heard so many good things. I would love to see him. While Buffalo is out, they have a coach. But the mm-hmm. other organization I played for and I loved it was Detroit. I think Detroit mm-hmm. would be. Awesome. They got young skill. I think they need the right leadership structure. And that team, they, they can be really good really quickly, in my opinion, especially with how much calf space they have and a GM like Iserman. As far as mm-hmm. Vegas, 
if I opened up, I would go after Tortorella. I played under Tortorella in Columbus. I was scared shitless going there. <laughs> and it was amazing. He's he's not what people think he is. You know, is he tough? Mm-hmm. Sure. But he is, man, is he a good people person? He cares a lot about everyone. And the way he speaks to the media, I think, is just that's how he protects his team. But I think he'll be the perfect guy for that Vegas team. It's a two-year deal, tons of talent. He's they're they're gonna buy in. They're gonna play just a little bit harder, stronger for him. And that's just how I see it. I, I don't. I know Tortorella. I believe interviewed in Philly. I just don't see it. Yeah. He, why he would want to do that? I think the Vegas two-year deal would be. They would be amazing. I got an idea for a Winnipeg. Uh, Jets coach for you, Elliot. Who's that? He just won the uh, Dunk McCallum Memorial Trophy as the WHL Coach of the Year for the Winnipeg Ice. Do you know who it is? Is it James Patrick? James Patrick. I could see. I could see him being on the radar there. I could see it. I see. I sense some Buffalo bias in this one, Andrew. Oh, I love Jeep. I absolutely. He's a good guy. I love, I love, I love, I don't G. think they, I don't think they've interviewed anybody else yet, Andrew. I think they're waiting to see if like their fans are all over them to get trots. They are all over them to get trots. So I think they're putting all their eggs in that basket until they know for sure. Well, it's trots all over them to get Winnipeg. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, he's from Manitoba. His father's still there. Oh, wow. Uh, um, you know, the biggest thing with him is I, I think initially he wasn't sure he wanted to coach right away. Um, but I think the, the bug is starting to bite him a little bit now. Did anybody else here at the table know that Barry Trotz was from, from Winnipeg? He's from Manitoba. He's or Manitoba. Did, did you know that, Riv, Van? I, I did not. I think he – didn't he play his junior hockey there too? I think I he read played in, one of I those. believe he played in Saskatoon or Regina, but, yes, he's okay. from that area. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, before we let you go, Elliot, but you can stay as long as you want, but you said you have 15 more minutes. So Well, I mean, no, it's Thomas's time. I don't like to take Thomas. <laughs> I got yeah. lots of that. Thomas has lots of time and nowhere to go. We know that you're the guy that has so, so many people tugging at you from so many different directions. That's what I know. You no, know, you, you're, you're in high demand. Here's another coach for you, not maybe for a candidate for the uh, NHL next year, but here's a little side note for you. You said you said Buffalo connection. Jay McKee coaching the Hamilton Bulldogs has swept their way to you know. The o- I'll tell you something. The OHL final. Somebody mentioned somebody mentioned Jay McKee's name to me yesterday. Well, who who mentioned his name? I, I can't I can't say that yet. What a bunch of bullshit! I, think, I know, but because actually that's actually going to be in my uh, in my notes is that because uh, he's playing Mark Savard in the OHL final. And I think both those guys are going to get looks. Who's they might Mark not Savard, get hired. Uh, coaching Windsor, Windsor. Okay. Yeah, isn't he interviewing for Dallas? That's the rumor. I believe. I believe that is true because they yeah. he has one of Dallas's top prospects on uh, on his team. But someone mentioned Jay's name to me the other day. How about Travis you know, Green? It, you know the interest. I think Travis. I think Travis is going to interview at least in Detroit and Dallas. Okay. At least. What were we going to say, Riv? Well, we just had uh, Jay McKee on just, what, a, two months ago, Petey? 
Yeah, something. Like it was that. a great interview. It was right before they were starting their their OHL playoffs, and just talking about you know the success that the team had because I think that I think the team was ranked number one in the C CHL this year. Yeah. Um, best team out of nowhere, OHL. by the way. They went and they acquired that Mason McTavish too, eh? Which is you know a game changer. I mean, the team was already good, and he he just made them that much better. And we we talked to Jay about. You know, you're having a lot of success, and usually, what happens is when when coaches have success, they look to move on to bigger bigger uh, opportunities. And we said uh, we asked him if you know he was ready or wanted to make that jump to the NHL as a coach or an assistant coach, and he said that he was very happy with where he was at. The ownership being with, I think, Steve Steos is the Yeah, his kid was the defenseman of the year this year, Hunter. Was he really? Okay. Yep. No shit. And and working with Steve Steos, who, you know, if you don't know him, he's he's a pretty pretty special guy himself and had a great career. But he enjoys being in that environment and continuing to learn as a coach. And I thought that was really interesting. He, you know, he didn't, I was waiting for him to say, oh, yeah, if something comes available, I'm going to jump on it. And he didn't. He said, I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. There's lots I still need to learn. And, and uh, you know. Yeah, but I Jay mean, doesn't trust you to not say anything. So he didn't give you any info. Okay. So don't take it personally. I can see Jay being ready. I mean, I, I listened to that interview and the one thing I took away from it, you know, it's, it's the new school of coaching. You know, he, he, I think he understands that you have to relate with different people or different kids in a different way. You can't just coach one way. And I think uh, that is something, you know, I mean, I learned that my last five years playing, you know, these kids are, a lot of them have skilled coaches, uh, skating coaches at six years old. They have never been told no. So, uh, and I, I, just by listening to it, I think Jay has figured that out and I'm not surprised by the success he's having. Yeah. Well, on that note, Elliot, make sure you write nice things about our friends. I promise. I don't. I, I, I don't want you. I don't want you showing up at my house and saying, "What did you write about Jay McKee?" No, no, no. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm more passive aggressive than that. I just carve you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't confront you with it. That would be. That would be awkward. <laughs> oh fuck! All right. Well, good stuff, man. Appreciate your time again, Elliot. Yeah. As always, and, and no, making up. No worries, work. Andrew. Craig, take care. And Thomas, good to chat with you, man. Nice to good see you. you. Great stuff. Keep it up. Do a story Thank on him too, eh? Hey, do a story on him. Vanner invested in uh, Samsonite when he started to play, and you know he moved around so much. He, he, you know, that stock went way up. Ellie, you should talk to him about that. <laughs> you got uh, a deal, Petey. It's good to be wanted. Something you never had. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right, man. Fuck you. See, you, Elliot. <laughs> oh, Vanner. Uh, so, what yeah. kind of scoops did you guys get? Now that we got the dead weight off, let's go. <laughs> Fantastic hair, though. I love it. Where did you have the toughest time with with media? I don't know. I I never looked at it that way. I never had a problem with the media, just because. I, I just kind of laid it out there. I knew when I needed to be better, and I wasn't good enough, and I wasn't afraid to say that. And I, I just didn't make excuses. So I didn't have, um, I didn't have no problem with him. I mean, obviously I think we're, when it changed a little bit is when Twitter came around and, you know, you try not to, as a player to follow these, these guys that cover your team. But uh, 
that I would say that's the only kind of where you get pissed as a player when you, you know, you see a guy daily doing interviews with your teammates and, and line mates. And then, uh, you know, he's in there buddy buddies with you. And then, you know, after the game, we had a bad game or a good game, whatever it is, you kind of scroll through Twitter and you see him like, Oh, bad shift there. You know, he's just carving up, not just me or your team. And you're like, Jesus, like that, that's not reporting in my opinion. That's, that is, you're not a play-by-play guy. Like if you have a question, come in and ask me. And I've, yeah. you know, had that before where I felt like I had a really good game and I ended up dash free, but I could have walked away with, you know, six, seven assists. Cause I was setting up guys left and right. I'm and it was a horrible game and it's just carving. And then there's other nights where I stood around the net and had two good tips. And I felt like I was awful, but walked away with two goals. And, oh, he was great tonight. I'm like, no, I wasn't tonight. I was awful. Yeah. So I think that's where that's where it changes, you know, when they at least come in the room and want to ask tough questions, go ahead. But then sitting on top and carving you on Twitter, that is something I, I don't think a good reporter should be doing. Well, I'm going to I'm going to answer the question for you, uh, Thomas, because you didn't answer it. You just tiptoed around it. Thought he gave a actually pretty good answer. No, he did. Okay, let's hear it. The hardest, the hardest spot you had with the media was Buffalo. Times 200. I ain't going to tell you why. Thomas Vanek, from the time that you came into the league and scored 25 goals and 48 points and played on that young rookie line with, what, Roisey and I think Palmer. Mm-hmm. Maybe You guys were, guys were like young studs. You know, not a lot of pressure, but really elevated yourself into a status of you guys are our players. Okay. And from there, your next year, Vanner, you scored 43 goals, 84 points, absolute insane year as, as a young kid. Okay. And you're still a kid. And then the next year it's 36 you scored. And then the next year you scored 40. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And now all of a sudden, the team became Thomas Vanek's team. Okay, the Buffalo Sabres, everybody, when you talk about, you know, Florida Panthers, you, you, you talk about it's, it's Barkov's team, it's Huberto's team. And when you talk about, you know, Detroit Red Wings, who's not a great team right now, you talk about it's, it's a uh, Dylan Larkin, and you just go through the league. When you were here in Buffalo, it was your team. This was your team. Your fifth overall draft pick, high, super high draft pick for Buffalo. You came in, and you just started shredding it <clears throat> immediately. The pressure goes on you when that happens, okay? When the, when the losses start to add up, it's, it's about Thomas Vanek. What are you guys not doing well? What, what do you need to do better? Why are you not scoring goals? Or, you know, what do you need to do? And the pressure is on you. And it's always been on you in Buffalo. But I, I know that from playing with you, you channel things really well. You may hide it inside. You never really showed it. But you took a lot of the pressure. You remember that you met Petey. You remember being in the in the meetings. Remember being in the meetings. The entire the entire meetings were shredding you and Roisey. It was Meanwhile, awkward. 
It was ridiculous. <laughs> I've never been a part of it like that, but that was the that was the coaching style. He was making a point, taking the very best players on the team, and he put it all on your shoulders, okay? And here's the thing. You ended up getting traded, and you went to the Islanders. Thomas Vanek didn't have pressure there. John Tavares had pressure there. Kyla Poso, who was the star there, had pressure. Okay. Thomas. Well, let's Vanek, ask him, did you have pressure there, Van? Because you were brought in to be a pretty big piece. No, I think that, that team, and I think I've mentioned it before, I think that that team was like, it was awesome. It brought me back of my early days in, in Buffalo. I mean, they had, you know, I mean, Garth Snow took a lot of heat. I thought he was a fabulous GM. Always around the locker room, asking, talking to guys, not not hiding, not being weird about it. He was right there and open and he would talk to guys say you need to be better you need to be like he was great there was he didn't make you feel like any pressure because he wanted you he's like i i got you here to play with you know kyle and uh Tavares. i'm like okay this sounds great so yeah i I do agree with you rivs but so what about when you went to montreal did you have pressure there well i think i I don't know about pressure just because you have more pressure than patcheretti no, 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 not at all. I was a deadline piece. I was there for a little right. bit. So I, I do agree with where you're coming from. But the original question was if I had, you know, really, I mean, Paul Hamilton didn't pressure me into anything. He might ask me, you know, some questions that, you know, he had to do. But again, as a player, and I think that's where hockey is, you know, for the most part, they're always politically correct answers, you know? Yeah. Because that's just the way the business is. You know, you look at the NBA, it's it's way different. But in the NBA, guys are moving around. Big salary guys are moving around left and right. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, in the NHL, you know, if you're 24, 25-year-old and you're getting interviewed and you're the guy like a Larkin comes out and says, no, freaking we suck because Jeff Blashville is not very good at his job. You, how, how are the other 30 GMs or 31 GMs are going to be like, oh, this kid's a punk. Even though that's how the other team might feel. So I think there's different ways of pressure and how you channel it, but the way you deal with the media to me was always like, I'm just, I'm going to be honest about my part of the game, but if they ask me about some, something else, then I'm going to give the politically correct answer because that's just the mentality we grew up in. Is is that not it? But what I'm saying is when you play throughout your entire career from 2005, all the way to 2019, your pressure situations happened more in Buffalo because you were the face of the team. You yes, were no, no, the no. guy. There's, right. There's no question about it. But at the same time, I mean, Rivs, you know this. I mean, walking into a locker room in Montreal when there's 50 media members or uh, in Buffalo when there's four or five or Carolina when there's two. I mean, all different type of pressure. Like, but I mean, there's, but there's, But there's the main interview. There's the secondary interview, then there's the third interview. And right. when you were in Montreal, I guarantee you they weren't coming to you. No. When you were in Minnesota, they weren't coming to you. They were going to Zach Parise. They were going to Mika Koivu. Those were the guys that have been there that were the face of the team, and they are the ones who had the pressure. You were the second and maybe third interview behind those guys. When you were in Florida, they weren't interviewing you. They were interviewing Barkov. They were interviewing Yarmir Yager. They were interviewing Huberto, the young guys, Vincent Troychek. Do you know what I'm saying? They, like, were, they weren't interviewing anyone in anybody. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, 
you you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I get. When, no, I do understand you know, what you're saying. When you're in yes. Van, when you played in Vancouver, they weren't interviewing Thomas Vanek because they could they could have went to Brock Besser, Daniel, and Henrik Sedin, Bro Bo Horvat. You know what I'm Correct. saying is when you were in Buffalo, you had pressure. You may right. not and may have channeled it really well. But Buffalo was your team. The guys right. in the team knew it was your team. We didn't win games. We do you remember in, in my second year, we we ended up winning the division with division yeah. title. When's the last time that's happened in Buffalo? We won a division title, but I'm gonna tell you right now, we don't win the division title without Thomas Vanek. That's for damn sure. The team was yours. You may have channeled your pressure, but it was still a ton of pressure that you didn't even know. Right. No, I, I agree with this. All right, let's uh you mentioned Vancouver, Brock Besser. Is that a guy you would want to go after if you're the Sabres? Well, is Vander is Vander throwing a transition in here? I am. Yeah, let's move on. Incredible transition. Stuff. Let's talk hockey. <laughs> incredible like transition. Like and I'm going to throw it back to you, Vander. You like You're talk, the one yeah. who played yeah. with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I mean, I if if I'm the Buffalo Sabers, you have a young core. Here's another guy who's what's Brock, 24, 25, maybe 26. Man, he's a shooter. He, I mean, that's that's a guy. I, I mean, if he's available, like some outlets are saying, I guess Elliot's off. We can't ask him anymore. That's a guy I'm going after. I mean, you playing with a guy who can dish the puck, he is an absolute sniper. He can, he can, he should be 30, 40 goals from, you know, for the next Minnesota. five, six years. He's from Minnesota. He's a Minnesota guy. Played are in you North going Dakota. to convince him to come to Buffalo? Because sure. he's not, he's not coming to Buffalo. Why not? Because right now, players players in the league don't want to go to Buffalo. But you, he's not you, a free agent. He's not a free agent. You 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 have to build your team through trades. I think yes. that's that's how that's how the Sabers in 05 built their teams. Right, the the Danny Breer trade, the Chris Drury trade. You think those guys would have signed there? Probably so he's not. got two years. He he's a restricted free agent. He has to sign another contract. Correct. He just came off a contract recently that paid him five point eight seven five million dollars a year. What kind of money are you giving this guy? You're up around six and a half, seven million all day long, I would think. All day long but and make it eight years. You think he's you think he would want to sign in Buffalo for eight years? I think you trade him in, you bring him in. I mean, it sounds like the this the you know, the, the new coaching staff with and then with Kevin, I think they they got something going on. And I it's the same thing, Rivs. You live there. I think once you come to Buffalo, you realize. Yeah, this is nice. I like Incredible it. Place. There's good people. I hated Buffalo before I got here. Biggest right. shithole I've ever seen in my entire life because the only the only spot I lived, I never even went out in Buffalo. Right. Other city, every city in Buffalo, every city around the league, I went out, went for a nice dinner the night before a game. I had room service in Buffalo. I didn't like going out. I didn't like the downtown. Half the place was boarded up. It was a shithole, you know? Correct. And now... Now what I see of this city 15 years later, I think I think it's a, an incredible place. An incredible it, it place. Is. I mean, I, I'm I mean, I'm happy where we're at, and but I miss it. I miss it a ton. I mean, I I, I can't wait to you know come back and see people play golf. Well, what and, do you uh, have to give up, Banner, to get a guy like this? He's middle, he's in the prime of his career. middle stat and two firsts. No, I don't. Oh I, two, I don't think you have what? to give up two firsts. I think it takes a, a prospect in the first round pick. Okay, so I mean, I, I was. I mean, what? What first round? Sixteen. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, his last couple of years, how, how his stats weren't that great. <laughs> no, they weren't good last year. I mean, they're good. They, they're you had you know, 23 yeah. goals and 46 points in yeah. 71 games, in 71 games. But he was also dealing with um, his family issues. Yeah, yes. His no, his, his father just passed away. It's 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 very sad. But again, I think Brock is just not only is it. I mean, I know him personally and I, I love the kid. He can shoot it. Just like I mentioned earlier in the podcast with Pat Ready. The way he shoots, it's different too. And he can one time it, he can, he can zip it. He can, he brings a lot to the game if you put him in the right situation, but he's an incredible strong kid. I mean, he is, I mean, he's a guy that I would go after. He's in too, a heartbeat. He just turned 25. He's, he's, he's bloody well a kid still. Like he's not old. When you talk 25, I look oh, at, I, a, I look I, at I, a forward in this league, their best years are going to be in the next five years. Yes, 25 to 30. I think yeah. those are your prime five years. You know, if you're surrounded with the right, you know, give a middle stat, Olafson, and the 16th pick. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't, I, I okay. The we fantasy deals, we, we don't know. I don't know what it takes, but I think, you know, if there's a move to be made, that's a guy I would look at. What about, what about Johnny Goudreau? Is that someone you'd want to see the Sabres go after? Well, I mean, they got plenty of cap space. I mean, why would you now, not take a they guy have plenty like plenty of cap space now? Now. But again, you're, you're with... going to have to re-sign power in two years. You're going to have to re-sign Darlene. You're going to have to re-sign Samuelson. You have to re-up Cage Thompson. You're going to have to sign Dylan Cousins. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys that we have a lot of money now, but it is going to be eaten up very, very quickly. I agree. I think for, for, for Johnny Hockey to come to Buffalo, it's going to take 10-11. And is that, is that... I'm not paying him 10-11. There's no way. I don't care. He had 100... What do you have? 115 points this year? Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's worth every penny. How it, short it of a deal do you think you could get him on, though, if you overpaid him? But th- that's the problem. How if, if you can get him on a two, three year deal, probably if you overpay him, but what good does that do? Are you ready to win in the next two, three years without a goaltender? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. That's, that's why I would rather go and trade for guys who are 24, 25 and have that long-term plan for year three, four, and five. Well, the reason that you just mentioned is the reason why I think after last night, well, I, I mean, after last night, it's hard to say with SIG being 6-2, but it's still Vasilevsky, but it's why I don't feel like Edmonton or Colorado have a chance to win this year. They don't have the goaltending. You know, I think that's, that's going to cost the West Conference the Stanley Cup. Well, I mean, but you can flip-flop that on Colorado, too. Their goaltending isn't great. I just think Colorado's depth is, is way better than Edmonton, and I think that's, that's going to come and play here. Do you feel that the Sabres are at the point, and this is something that I kind of fight with, you know, um, in the way that I, I see things, are they, are, are they a year away before they actually start to maybe make a bold move to make the team that much better? You know, that you got to bring in J.J. Paterka next year. you got to bring in Jack Quinn next year. They already have, you know, Tuck, you know, Thompson, mm-hmm. Skinner, Krebs, mm-hmm. Cousins, you know, Middlestat. There's guys that they have in the lineup. Kyle Poso, Gergensen. There's, there's not many spots available. 
Well, there is if you bring in better players. Right? Okay. But who, so I, like, but like, but when, here's the, here's, here's what I would say. I don't, I don't ever like when people say, well, we're a year away or we're two years away from making a bold move. Like, I, I don't, to me, you're maybe a two, three years away of making a bold move at the deadline, but not in the offseason. Like, getting good players in in the offseason. And that doesn't mean you go and get a 34, 35 year old. You get, like I said, the Brock Besser. You, who I don't know who else is available in that age. You know, th- those are the guys that I would look into because, like we said earlier, getting a, a 27, 28 year old free agent ain't going to come. So you got to trade. You got to trade, yep. make them see it, make them want to be there. And I think once they're there, they're going to enjoy it and like it. And the well, guys, let me you, ask gotta, you this. guys you got to get are the ones with the with the with that have no clauses of any kind because you know Buffalo is on all their lists. <sighs> I don't know about that. That makes it that's the part that makes it difficult are these no move clauses. I mean it's it's like you can't just go and get who you want anymore because everyone kiboshes the fucking trade because everyone has a Everyone that you want has some kind of a modified no trade or no move or whatever. And it's like, well, I, I do think I see. I, yes, that's true. But I do think it's, it's what type of agent you have. You know, I think if, you know, we had the Bartlett hockey and Steve would be always honest. Steve would be like, yeah, this is, this might not be the place where you think is the best or the greatest because you only know by Buffalo flying in, but he would tell you, Hey, this is a good spot for you. They want you. You're going to play top six minutes. They're going to play in the power play here. It's a good city. I think that's what a good agent does. A conv- not convince, but lay out reality for a player and not a 25-year-old be like, oh, Buffalo sucks. I don't want to go there. That's not, that's not, I think, a good agent makes him, you know, if the agent really believes that that's a great spot, he's going to make him do it. That's a good point. That's a good Let point. Let me ask you this, Banner. So they got some decisions to make and let's just, let's just strictly look at the forward line. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would imagine that uh, there's, there's some, you know, guaranteed spots in this team for next year, but there's, there's some question marks and you tell me whether you're re-signing or if you're going to move on. The first guy is Cody Eakin. To move on. Okay. What about Vinny Henestrosa? Probably sign. John Hayden. Move on. You have Anders Bjork on a $1.6 million deal. What do you do with it? You moving on or you... You might have to just eat it. Yeah, I don't think you can move on. I think that's, that's you know, he's one of those guys. It's, it's a wild card. You, hopefully he has a good summer, comes back in camp, see what he's got in camp. And if we have better players and there's no room, you either try to trade him or, you know, put him in the minors. Or is your 13th forward? Right. Rasmus Asplund. You know, he's, he's one guy I've watched a little bit of the worlds and he looked pretty good there. So I, I don't, I don't know him enough where I don't, I, I think he's a guy is definitely replaceable. You know, like you're talking about, there's not many spots in the lineup. You get a guy like Brock Bester there. That makes your decision a lot easier about an Asplund. Okay. So I'll just say, uh, question. Well, it's, 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 
who can you get, right? I mean, if, if, if you can't get anyone, then obviously he's on your team. Yep. Victor Olofsson. Again, can, can you get a guy like Besser? Then I'm moving on because I think there's, to he's, me, Besser He's going to be is, on a one-year deal. He's going to be on a one-year deal because you have one year before he's unrestricted. I shouldn't say I should move on, actually, because he, he, he brings a niche. He can go, score goals. So if I would be them, I would sign him on a one-year deal or even a two-year deal, whatever, probably a one-year deal, and put him in a great spot to score goals and see if you can trade him at the deadline and fetch something back. But uh, again, if you can trade and get pieces you think they're going to be there for six to eight years, then I move on. Okay. So we'll just say we're going we're gonna to sign uh, Olofsson. So mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, so now that what you, the information you've given me, we have Skinner, Thompson, and Tucker coming back, correct? We have Krebs and Cousins that are going to come back. Krebs and Cousins played together all year, so they need a right-handed shot. We're just going to put them just with a little, uh, you know, asterisk. You have Casey Middlestat that's playing center, and they need a lefty and a righty. You just signed Vinny Henestrosa, so would he be your third line, your third line uh, winger? Probably not. I think he he would be my you know he would be my thirteenth forward. Probably. And if there's injuries, he can jump up and down the lineup. That's the way I look at him. Okay. Victor Olsen's going to play with Casey Middlestat because he did pretty much a large part of the year. Correct? Yeah. I don't know if that's, I don't see that being an effective line. I don't know who, whoever you find on that. Well, here's the thing. This is what we're talking about. We have Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, Krebs, Cousins, Olofsson, you signed Middlestat, Gergensen, Aposo, and you also signed Vinny Henestrosa. You still have Anders Bjork. You still have a question mark in Asplund. At some point in time, it's not about having bodies. It's about making your team better. And right. sometimes I think you're going to have to make a move to make this team better. You brought up Vinny, uh, You brought up uh, Brock Besser. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. Here's the thing. We still haven't talked about Jack Quinn. We still have not talked about uh, Peyton, uh, uh, Peyton Krebs. Or not Peyton Krebs, but uh, JJ Turka. Right. Like these are two guys that had exceptional year in the minors. Mm-hmm. You have JJ Paterka is going to be twenty year old, twenty year old next year, and you're going to have Jack Quinn who's twenty one. Both those guys have to make a jump to the National Hockey League. There is not a lot of room on this team, is what I'm trying to say. Vinny Henestrosa, where is he going to play? Where's Hayden going to play? Where's Aspelin going to play? Where's Victor Olsson going to play? You can't have the same, all the same type of players. You can't. No. There's got to be some sandpaper. Where's the sandpaper in this lineup? But that that's, I, and I agree with you. You can't. I don't think you come back with the guys, all these same guys, they're all good players. You bring back, then it doesn't look. I think your third and fourth line needs a lot of tinkering. Yep. You know, when you look at, when you look at Skinner, Thompson, Tuck is a line that did very, very well throughout the year. You have a, a Dylan Cousins a year older, a Peyton Krebs a year older that played together. You're probably going to have a Jack Quinn jump on that line, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, your next line, Middlestat. Who's Middlestat going to play with? Do you have, you have to bring in someone that is going to put 
Middlestat in a position to become a better player, but Casey Middlestat's a good hockey player. I don't think well, he's really found his way in the National Hockey League yet. I know who we should go and get. I know who the Sabres need to go and get. Alex Kalorn. Alex Kalorn. So, I'd like that 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 type of mold of player I would get, not necessarily Alex Kalorn. Why is that? That makes just a little little too old like well it's and I'm I don't know him at all so I don't know his again maybe he's the perfect fit maybe he still has a lot of drive but uh, I mean how old is Alex Holm 30 32 32 okay does he just want to get paid for four more years because he won his cups he's lived in Tampa or does he really want to be that guy and drive and make Middlestead and those guys better yeah that's that would be my only concern with an Alex Kalorn. You know, do you give him a four year deal at six and then he's gonna just just show you know, up? You, you know what's it's great too is you brought up to me uh a really interesting uh choice in Brock Besser. Okay. And believe me, he he has had a lot of success and been a great player in this league, and he's someone that really raises my eyebrow. But I'm going to bring another guy up to you, and I'm not even going to take credit for it because I read it actually on Twitter from uh, a media person here, and I don't know, I cannot remember if you, you know, if you want to take the credit, go ahead. But they brought up a, a really interesting guy. He's a right-handed shot, right winger, and he's kind of like a Brock Besser, but he's a much more physical, you know, type player, a little bit nastier, and that's um, uh, connect me from from uh, the florida or uh, from philadelphia flyers yeah um i think when you look at brock besser you look at a you look at the same type of player as the skinner krebs you know i think connecty adds a different vibe he has a different thought when and how he plays the game i think philadelphia also is a team that is making is going to make a major transition. They are they did not have a great season this year, but I think that they're they're going to start to tear this thing down to the shred to the studs. No, it's yeah. a great point. I mean, that's that. Yeah, and again, but when I branch from Besser, I see him as a top six. When I look at Travis Konechny, and I will get him today. That's a third line guy. That's that's your that's your Nazem Kadri right there. Yeah, and, and you know, can he play with? You know, if you have your young line, and I say your young line in, in Cousins, Quinn, and Krebs, can you have a, a line of Middlestat, Konechny, and Victor Olofsson as your second line? I mean, I don't know. We're, we're playing fantasy here. I'm just, uh, I, I do favorite, like the addition. Rib's I do favorite like the game, addition, banner. Listen, huh? what what is so the that's one Riv's thing favorite that, game is fa- is fantasy GM. I, don't, I I like the game too, but it's it's. What's the one thing that Philadelphia wants right now? Draft picks. They want draft picks. Right. Who has more draft picks than anybody on the planet right now? The Sabers are, are pretty damn close. Yeah. You know we we have guys in our system. We have three first round draft picks. We have things that I think that the Philadelphia Flyers are going to want because they're going to want to start to build. And you think it's going to, that's, you think a connecting will take a first round pick though? Or more. Oh my really? God. Yes. Oh yeah. hundred percent. 
Yeah. He was, well, he 100%. was a first rounder to begin with, but I mean, he's, so he's 25 a 25 years old. He's a first rounder and something. He's got okay. term. He's got term on his deal. He, you know, he was a 24th overall pick. He's 25 right now. Mm-hmm. He's scored multiple 20 goal seasons, 24, 24, 24 and 66 games. And then this, this last year he had 16 goals in 79 games with 52 points, but the team stunk. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they stunk. I, I believe that this guy is waiting to explode. I think he's got tremendous amount of game. He's physical. He's got some nasty to him. I think yeah. he's exactly what the, what we need guys that can play the game. We need guys with skill and hockey IQ, but we need guys with a little bit of sandpaper. And I think he adds that. Yeah, we, need know, a mouth, I, we need a mouthpiece. I love it. I, it's like I said earlier, it's it, that's your cadre. I mean, say what you want about cadre. Pretty effective in that Colorado uniform right now. That's right. So my my thought is this, and, and this went back a, a while ago. You know, when you're talking about, you know, a, a, a Victor Olofsson, who has had three years in the league and he scored two of those years or have been 20 goal seasons. He's 26 years old. Can he, can we trade him to the Philadelphia Flyers and something else? Maybe the 28th overall pick. Well, or, or I, I, you mentioned all, you know, the Krebs, the cousins, the Paterkas, the Quins. At what point do do you have to package one of them? Right. Do you, do you, Give Paterka to Philadelphia because is Absolutely. it that good to have eight 21 year olds in the lineup? Yeah. Uh, I Middlestad uh, is the target for me. Middles, it's me, man. What's he make? 2.5. You know, Connect yeah. is making 5.5. You give him 28 in Middlestad, it's two first round picks right there. I guess my question to you what, what player do you want? Do you want uh, a Connectney or do you want a Victor Olson? Oh, connect me all day, but I don't think they'll they'll take Olafson. I think it will take a Paterka or someone who is twenty. And I am a second not trading Paterka. From what I understand and what I hear mm-hmm. from Mike Pekka, who's down there, okay, as one of the, the assistant coaches, JJ Paterka is one hundred percent off 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 the list, and so is Jack Quinn. From what I'm hearing, absolutely off the list. What I'm and looking that's, and that right is, that's now, awesome, but um, that's that's then who is on the list? Uh, you know, what I mean, because Peyton Krebs, so he's on the list, man. Peyton he looks Krebs, pretty, who's, yeah, he, he, listen, he, he looks fantastic, but yeah, I think Peyton Krebs is, is someone that could be on the list, okay? Um, I'm not saying that I would want him on a list, but yeah, if I have the ability to get Travis Konechny. And that style of player mm-hmm. and his age fits beautifully on this team and how he plays. I am doing what I need to do to go and get that that kid. Okay, that's the type of player that the Buffalo Sabers need in this lineup. Victor Olsen is, is is a fantastic player. He had fifty points this year in seventy two games, twenty goals. He he is a point producer. He can shoot the puck as well as any guy in the league. That being said. I want a different style of player. I'm taking nothing away from Victor Olson. I no, want a different style of player. I want a little bit heavier, a little bit nastier, a little bit more physical, but still has the skill and the hockey IQ to play at a high level. And that's what I'm looking for. Now, we're going to have to give something up 
more to Philadelphia. We're going to have to give them some sort of draft pick so they can continue to build on their rebuild. We're past a rebuild. We've gone through a number of years of headaches and this, that, and the other. We have, you know, the Buffalo Sabres have done a nice job of building a war chest of, of, of draft picks. Right. Okay. We have prospects that are, that are fantastic. Now what we need to do is try and surround our, our top end players with, with a little bit more sandpaper and still have the skill set. And I think Travis Konechny is a guy that we could, we should be targeting. hundred percent. The only, again, you, you say this about Paterka and Quinn and I agree with you, but if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers, why would I want Victor Olof? If I'm going for a rebuild, yes, he's young, he's great, and this, but I don't want to. You're, five. You're, you're he's still a younger guy. Like he's, I wouldn't say young. He's 26 years old. He just but, turned 26. Where Connectney just turned 25. Vanner, Connect do you need, watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I do. Yeah. Rivs I mean, is trying a while, to, but I have. Rivs, Rivs is trying to foist. <laughs> friggin' Olafson on like just like uh, Larry was trying to foist his secretary on somebody else. No one's taking Olafson for Konechny Riv. Stop. I didn't say they no, were. No, that's that's that's. that's I didn't say they, not were. Saying they not were. Not one time did I say I'm going okay. one for one. I'm saying that Travis yeah. Konechny one for makes one. I'm saying they don't want they don't million. want Olafson is what I'm no. saying. No, what Philly I'm saying is the Philadelphia Flyers. I want Paterka. I want a young guy. A young guy who's making on this entry level deal, not a guy who's making five million. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you this. Philadelphia Flyers have something that we desperately want and desperately need. We have stuff in our organization that can get this deal done. Now, where do where does where does um, Philadelphia need help? They need help in the forward line. They need younger guys. They have a lot of guys on their team that are that are really starting to age. Kevin Hayes is 30, Van Riemsdyk is 33, Cam Atkinson's 32. Um, they have some guys that are, are getting, that are getting older. Their goaltending right now is a question mark. Would you agree with that? Well, we have a guy in Eric Portillo who does not want to sign with Buffalo, and there's a reason for it. Can we trade his rights can we trade him to Philadelphia? You don't think that Eric Partilla would really, really like to play for Philadelphia because he's he, there's nothing to compete against. And what does Eric compete against in Buffalo? Devin Levi, UPL. I mean, I you got Devin Levi is arguably the best goaltender that is not in 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 the league right now. Yeah. No, he is. He's tremendous. You but. know, now you have Eric Partillo that's looking over his shoulder going, look at this freaking kid who's 20 years old who just absolutely shredded D1. And where where do I sit in this equation? Am I ahead of UPL? Am I, I think he sits of- pretty good. I mean, that kid is 6'4", isn't he? 6'5"? Yeah, yeah. might even be 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he looks like an Ottinger to me. But you got If I'm the Sabres, that's, that's the last guy I would trade. I would do whatever it takes to sign him. But what here they tried to sign him. He decides well, to go back to college for his senior year. Right. And that's okay. So now that's, all of a sudden I mean, he ain't ready anyways, but that's that's he's ready for the minors, though. He's 22 years old. He's not he's not a kid. 
No, he's not a kid, but he's a goalie. Goalie yeah, takes a little bit. You know, maybe you use, you use old power to your advantage. Van, you left the University of Minnesota to go play in the minors. Now, I'm not saying it was the wrong move, but, I mean, that's different. But for a goalie, if, would you want to leave college to go play in the minors and ride the bus, or would you want to stay at Michigan? It's not riding the bus. I think even if he stays in Michigan for a year, the next year he's going to ride the bus. He, I mean, you're not going to make that jump, I don't think. I mean, Ryan Miller is a Hobie Baker winner. He didn't make that jump. You're not making that jump as a goalie. I mean, look at Ottinger. He's, he was unbelievable in college and played, what, two, three years in the minors? It takes time. So I do agree with, with Rivs. I mean, again, that comes back down to agents. Like if I'm Portillo's agent, I'll be like, yeah. Go sign a Buffalo, play in the minors, and show them you are the next guy in there. And if not, guess what? There's 31 other teams that want big goalies. Well, remember this. When Portillo starts his pro career, like he'll be 22 on September 3rd this year. Okay? Mm -hmm. So he'll be 23 um, when he starts his his first pro season so it'll be interesting to see how ready he is because it's much different than a a college kid you know who comes out you know at at 21 you know that two years is significant i don't know i'm not saying he will start anywhere but who he he could go and want to sign as a as a ufa with a team that's just going to give him an opportunity do you know what i mean they'll there's a team that'll hand him an opportunity if they sign him next year ufa it won't be a contender no, no, I, I, I agree teams. with you. There's, there's plenty of teams that will sign him and then, you know, give him a one way and play him. But is that the best thing for him 10, 12 years down the road? And again, that, that's, that to me is a good No one agent. cares about that right now, man. No one thinks about that. Yeah, but that's, that's a good <laughs> agent. That's a Steve Bartlett mentality, right? I, yeah. I mean, you know that better. I mean, yeah. Steve would lay it out. He's like, don't play for your first contract, play for your second and third contract. And this is. Yeah, the best thing for you, I, in my opinion, the best thing would have been for him to sign a Buffalo and start his pro career and show that, hey, I'm a stud, I can do this. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little playoffs from last night. What you what you think? Were you shocked the Rangers kicked Tampa Bay's ass? I, no, not shocked. No, not not shocked by any means. I think the Rangers there. Confidence, right? We always talk about it. Confidence is a beautiful thing. I mean, they knocked off the Penguins. Come back, come back against Carolina, beat them. I mean, they they they're feeling good about that game and that kid line. Man, they're good. They're fun to watch. So, Tampa nine days off. Does that have anything to do with it? Probably. Let's see how Game Two shakes out. So, when you when you look at the team that Drury's built, do you see any resemblance to Buffalo at all? To oh five, oh six, oh six, oh seven, and at, 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 I'm not saying that he did that on purpose. I'm just wondering if there's a recipe to it because he won in Colorado. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, like there's a recipe to winning, and I just look at how he put piece this team together. And Riv and I talk about it all the time. I'm like, man, they have everything. They have everything. They do have everything, and I think would again, what he did at the deadline, I thought was great. But Toronto fit in great. Cobb stud. I mean. Sometimes that, that makes a difference. I think the biggest similarities from those teams is Miller and Chesterkin. I mean, that, that can't win without a goalie. So he's been amazing. So, but again, I think, you know, Chris made those moves really good. But also I think Gordon, who took Montreal over, I think that's the moves he made four or five years ago are looking pretty good right now. That's a Benajad. 
I mean, I mean, I was still playing when he got traded to the Rangers and who was, I mean, he got traded for somebody and I couldn't believe it. And I mean, what, what a trade that was. But did you think Zibanejad would turn into what he is today? Yeah, I do. Actually. I thought he was amazing in Ottawa. I thought his, his, the way he was reading the game, his, his skill. And again, you can never project like if he's going to be like this, but you can tell that. I mean, at least I thought the way he was reading the game, his hockey IQ was off the charts. Did you think when Panarin left for Chicago and went to Columbus that he was going to continue and then leave Columbus to sign this massive deal in New York that he was going to even elevate his game even more? He's a guy that I don't think people realize started out playing in Chicago with the legendary squad and then moved on and and continued it in Columbus and then came to the Rangers. And I mean... Like this guy hasn't missed an, a beat at all. That's had that had surprised me, to be honest with you. Well, I was I was I got traded to that Columbus team with um, Panera and Bobrovsky, and those two guys are both awesome. I mean, most Russians are. They're funny. They do their own thing, but they're great. And Panarin is again one of those that are just amazing player that I've never seen before. The way he can shift and see the ice, and I mean that. I still don't understand what Chicago was thinking trading him to Columbus for Saad. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, that, that's, that's one trade that I will don't understand, especially seeing Panera in a person and how good of a guy he is, how, how he works. I mean, he's a machine. And to me, I think in the playoffs, he hasn't even been that great. And I think if he's actually going to find his game and elevate, man, the Rangers are going to be tough to beat. I love I agree that. with that. Like, I don't think Panarin for, for being, you know, who he is and one of the top players in the league, I don't think that he has played um, to the best of his abilities. He looks very floaty. Like he's mm-hmm. floating around. He, he's extremely, extremely dangerous. When he has the puck on his stick, I mean, he's got to be one of the top players in the league. But you you know, you guys know you very rarely in a shift in during an entire game, you don't have the puck on your stick very often. It's all the stuff that you do away from the puck is, is, is making you a great player. And I'm not saying he's, he's, he's been bad. That's, that is clearly, clearly not the case, but it's just, it's interesting how he plays. Um, and I know, I think that he needs to be better. And if he is better, this team's going to be truly incredible. I mean, that's, but you know what? That's, that's the great thing about hockey playoffs. I mean, that's, that's a sign of a good team. Your best player isn't playing his best hockey. I think he's playing his best hockey in the power play five on five. I don't think he has done a whole ton, but that's what makes that team good. That's what makes winning hockey is that, you know, Vetrano scoring, cop scoring, Kreider has been amazing. And all of a sudden scores too. Yeah, exactly. Like just so your best player can take not not can take his time. All it does is you know it's one big shift where he dominates, and is like whoa I'm back because that's all it takes. I mean it's. I mean he doesn't have can, to. Can your best quicker. player doesn't have to roll over the boards and feel like he has to do it this shift. Oh exactly. If he catches fire here in this five on five, he can dominate. I mean the way he he protects pucks with his size. It's amazing. I mean, he looks like Yager out there or Forsberg in the heyday. I mean, he can protect that puck forever. And I don't think I've seen it quite yet. But again, I don't know if he's hurt or not because you can see his skill in the power play. It's amazing. 
five on five, if he catches fire, watch out. We were watching the other series we were talking. Do you think Nate McKinnon, I mean, he gets a lot of credit for how great he is, but do you think he gets enough credit for how great he is, or is he overshadowed by your McDavid? I, I, maybe he gets overshadowed by the, by the average hockey fan. I think the people who know the game, I mean, I, how old is Nathan McKinnon? I feel like he's been in the league for 15 years, 10 years. I'm going to look that up for you right now. And he is, I mean, since day one, I was like, wow, he looks like, you know, he, he looks like a guy like my kids play Xbox. I mean, 26 he, years old. <laughs> he's turning 27 on September 1st. That's amazing. I mean, he is just. Uh, yeah. I, coming, I don't know on, is, coming on the last year of his deal too, Vanner, like he. He signed that long-term deal for $6.3 million a year, $44 million. And uh, he's next year in 2022-23 season is his last year at $6.3 million. And it's going to be, I mean, I don't even know what you pay him. Like, I don't know. I, I I think he likes it there. He doesn't seem like a greedy guy. I think that's a good team for the next long time i would say what do you pay him i think you you extend him this summer at eight years and see if he takes 10 10 and a half yeah i i would agree and and i think you know you have kale mccarr who's making nine million dollars a year um you've got mika rantanen who just signed that contract uh 9.25 landeskog signed for seven i think mckinnon is going to be a guy that is just going to say listen i want to be you know, I was underpaid for many, many, many years. Right. Didn't bitch about it one single time, but now I'm going to get paid. And he could probably walk in there and say, I want, I want $12.5 million. I want, you know, Connor McDavid signed for $12.5 million how many years ago? Right. You know, and Nate McKinnon is in, like, he is one player that you can say is right in that category. You have, you know, um, you know, Austin Matthews making 11.6. At what point in time is Nate McKinnon going to say, I want to get paid? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to walk in there and say, I want 12 and a half, which he absolutely deserves. I think he's going to take probably 10, 10 and a half and say, I'll take a little bit of a discount because I want to stay here. And I love Colorado. Like, come on. I mean, Why wouldn't he test free agency? Why would he? Why wouldn't he? Colorado has more sun. And it's a, it's absolutely one of the most beautiful places to live with the mountains and everything else. Great organization. He's been there forever. He probably has a beautiful home and his surrounding. And why would you leave? I agree. Sometimes like, less is more. Yes, Sometimes like, less I mean, is more. You know, it's not all about money. It's about being happy and about being in a great environment where you're really, really, you enjoy your life. They're very competitive. We're one of the best teams in the league. Why? Why leave? Okay, you just made the argument. I, I appreciate the yeah. yep. I appreciate the argument. I, I wanted to ask the question. I mean it's I don't want to question. Just, I don't want to just assume. I mean, I don't think enough players test free agency because I'd love to know what somebody would pay him if he hit the market. Like, come on. I hope he, I mean like what would he get offered or what could he get offered? Because a lot of teams, the teams that he would want to go to that are contending don't have the money to to pay him that. No, right? They don't. No, they don't. Well, Talk to his agent, and if he's a free agent a year from now, you don't think Buffalo would be knocking on his door? 
Yeah, maybe, but I mean, <laughs> like, I just, I don't, like, again, I don't see a guy like McKinnon right now coming to Buffalo. When Buffalo's really good and ready to take that step, Van, I know you you know they can they can acquire anybody, but they can't go and get somebody while they're still in that curve-turning process. I could I be know. wrong. You, you put a guy like that in the lineup, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. I, I understand all this, but again, he's let's just say hypothetically that he signs for $10.5 million for eight years mm-hmm. in Colorado. And right. let's just say that Buffalo wants to give him 13. I don't think that he cares. I do not think that he cares about making a few extra million dollars. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's we're talking close to, you know, 16, 20 million dollars more to sign with with Buffalo. But I don't right. think he cares. What's the difference? I, I don't. I agree with you, Russ. I think I think he stays. Million. He stays. What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys expect tonight? Game two. Another fourteen goals. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I expect. I bet you this game will be six five. I expect a lot of goals. Goaltending is not the showcase here. I said this yesterday to Riv. Like the goaltending is Mike Smith supposed to start tonight? Okay. I mean, that's great, but. You know, whatever happens in uh, in Colorado's net, that's that's fine too. But they're not enough to be stars against the firepower they're facing. They're not a Shosturkin. They're not a Vasilevsky. This game, these teams are about sheer offense. So let's go. Yeah, you know, I I I don't know. I I think Colorado is going to make a ton of adjustments. I think they played stupid hockey. I mean. Manson, what was he? Minus four. Yep. I don't think they're going to play that way. I think they, those guys were pinching, having fun, blah, blah, blah. I think they're going to go and realize, hey, we can we can score goals, but at the same time, we got to defend a lot better. I, I don't see a 6-5 game. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Fuck. But who knows? Again, you, you said, I mean, with this goaltending, you, you At don't. one point, it was 7-3. Right. The game was over. I mean, but then the it was over <laughs> and then, it, and then it wasn't because, you know, I, I, I think the Colorado avalanche learned something. I did too. And it's going to hurt Edmonton because they didn't capitalize on it. They didn't that, that, that push they made to come back into the game. You, you know, you got to hope that you can pull something out there and win a game because Colorado will go back to the drawing board and say, that is unacceptable gentlemen. We need Wayne Gretzky said it best on TNT. You have to play defense. You have to play defense. If you want to win championships, you have to play defense. Offense is going to win you games. Defense is going to win you championships. And, and you know what? I think, I think Colorado, who's an exceptionally good hockey team, learned something, learned a lesson. They almost got bit in the ass, but Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be, tightening themselves up. I think they have so much firepower in Colorado that I just don't think that Edmonton has the, I shouldn't see. I, I, I hate saying that because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are, are two <laughs> freaks. Vander two Kane's freaks. up there too. He's a freak hey, right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, but a Vander but again, Kane, I don't think a Vander Kane's not a Vander Kane without, you know, a, a Dreisaitl and a, and a, McDavid, like they're yeah, but you can't say that. I mean, that's that's a great player playing 
in the right spot capitalizing. That's that's good coaching. That you can't blame yes. Evander Kane for that. That's, that's no, no, great I'm coaching. not blaming him. I'm saying no, he's no, a I know. great player, right? But he's an even better player and a more dynamic player playing with those guys. He is and playing he like be. a guy who's trying to save his career. Since the minute he got to Edmonton, he is. I think he literally look. It looks like he knows this is his last chance. He yeah, is it. like, he is. He's in seventh gear. The entire time. Do you think time. he has pressure? Do you think if he, he looks like he's playing with pressure? I think he has a lot of like pressure. I think, he has a, I think he has a big financial burden that he is playing his ass off, and, and he knows that, that his tool to get himself out of trouble is hockey. I, I just think he's playing his game. I think he's, he's always been a great player. I think yeah. now he's just playing with two amazing players. And I think he has he's, less pressure. I agree. I don't think he's. I think he pressure. looks like he's skating and playing with less pressure. I think mm-hmm. the burden of all of the debt and the Vegas shit and this the and media bullshit, and all that yeah. is, you know, his ex-wife, you know, and the and the issues that they had. I think that some areas of his life have uh, hit rock bottom, and. Um, you know, hopefully, like, listen, I mean, he's 30 years old and some guys never learn, but you hope, I would hope for Evander Kane that he would learn from this. And he just, to me, he looks like he's got less pressure on him. You know, he's made some, a lot of mistakes. He's taken some, he's taken some heat for a lot of things that he's done. And now he's in an environment where He's just, he looks like he's just playing the game. Yeah. You sometimes wonder too, now that all that shit's out in the open, it's like there's no more pressure, internal burden of of having to cover it up or keep secrets. Or it's like, you know what? My shit's out there. Who cares? I'm just going to go play hockey. Yeah. You you guys might have phenomenal points. Let me, let me ask you guys. I mean, that's, I mean, that line is really, really good, right? We all agree on that. McDavid came. Yep. So if you're Colorado, if you lose this series just like Calgary did, it's because of that one line, right? But here's the thing. Kane's not playing with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Right now, the last number of games, Kane is on a line with Nugent Hopkins and uh, Yamamoto. And the, the top line is Dreisaitl, McDavid, and... Uh, Hyman. Hyman. Right. So, you know, Evander Kane is still finding ways to score goals. He's still finding ways to you know put some pressure on teams but uh you're winning and losing games with playing against the mcdavid line and the funny thing van we talked about this last week Mm -hmm. and i said to you why is why is kale mccarr on the ice the last minute of the game and why is nate mckinnon ranton and langscog on the friggin ice because they're their skilled players well guess who's playing against Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl it's it's mckinnon right ranton and langscog Yep. Colorado obviously feels that that's their best line. That's their best chance to play against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is put their best against them. And that was going to be my question I was going to lead to. Do uh, you think that is the right move? I think so, because when if Connor McDavid doesn't have the puck, who has the puck? It's McKinnon, it's McKinnon Laniscog. And, and ranting it. They're not dumping and chasing. When they have mm-hmm. the puck, they're mm-hmm. going to score. Because if Connor McDavid doesn't have the puck, that means 
that line has the puck. And now Connor McDavid has to play defense. Leon Dreisaitl has to play defense. And I, th- I like the idea. If, if McKinnon and Rantanen and Langdeskog are defensively responsible and understand who they're playing against, then I don't have a problem with it at all. No, I agree. I, I would, you definitely have to match up McKinnon. I, I land a skock. I think he's, he's solid as it gets. The only piece I would take away from that line and put someone else is Rantanen because to me, Rantanen's the X factor. So I would put, you know, I don't know, a Darren Helm, someone defensively on that line with McKinnon and land just to be a, you know, responsible shutdown guy. And then, put Ranton on a different line and let him beat Nugent Hopkins and those guys. Yeah. That's, that's the only change that I kind of would do because you're, you're taking three good players to defend, but yeah, play offense. I would just take two, put put Ranton somewhere else and let him be the actor. You're also altering your team for someone else's. Here's the thing. Colorado has been one of the best teams in the league this last year and the year before. And they don't alter. They're, they're, they're not looking at McDavid and Drysaddle and saying, hey, we got to shut these guys down. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. You're mm-hmm. going to shut me down, buddy. Right. Because and I have 100. How's that worked in the last few years? Well, how's it worked for Edmonton? Right. It, it, it doesn't. That, you know, that's it my doesn't whole work. point. That's my whole point. It hasn't worked by not altering. I'm not saying that it won't, it is not going to work this time around because I think they are ready to win. They have, you know, taken their lumps, they're ready. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not coaching against the Edmonton Oilers. I'm coaching against two players. That's that, that was my only thought process. I'm not making those changes against any other team besides Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I hear well, it. we'll see tonight what happens. I can't I can wait. Listen, because- I could listen to you guys sit and try to break down games all day long. Van, you're a great analyst, man. I told you this on the phone last <laughs> week. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, I mean, I obviously... Like, I, I didn't know how much you watch or obviously analyze and dissect. I mean, that is like, that's that's fantastic shit. Well, to right be there. honest, I didn't watch much, you know, and I think you guys were maybe the same. After you quit, I, I didn't I didn't want to watch the first year. I mean, I watched here and there because my kids wanted to watch. But I think after year one, I was done. And it's not because I wanted to play or whatever. I just was sick of it. I was coaching my own kids. I've, I've seen enough hockey. I didn't want to watch it. But then as my oldest one got older and he's playing Bantam hockey, that's the main reason two years ago, I started watching way more again, because I'm like, because the way my brain works is the more hockey I watch, the more ideas I get. Uh, I come up with these dumb face-off plays. And, and that's the main reason I got back into watching the NHL. And I really enjoy it. It's it actually made me realize, shit, I missed it. I should be watching it more because I enjoy it. Did you yeah. watch a lot of NHL hockey when you you were in the NHL? I did. Yeah, mainly mainly just you know my friends and stuff. I didn't watch like just a random game. You know, a couple of good buddies of mine when they were on, and you, you know you get you play on the East Coast and you come home, you can't sleep right away. And so you didn't like study the opponent or anything. You weren't watching like if we had a team coming in the night before, you weren't watching to learn something or anything like that no because i think you see all the teams enough when you're in the game you know you 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 watch it but again the main reason i always watch is because i would get ideas especially you know i i did watch the sedines a lot and then i was fortunate enough to play with them because to me they were always creative and especially on offensive face-offs they were always doing something so i would watch that and 
be like, okay, I, I like this, this part of the, you know, sequence, but I would add this and that's, that's can just kind of how it works. So. Question before we let you go, just about in the pregame meetings in every team. Okay. Mm -hmm. They always have the goalie coach or somebody does a feature of the goalie, like a goalie scout. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So when you would see these, whether it was Jim Corsi or guy on the other teams or girl on the other teams, I don't know who did them on, but whoever put together the goalie clips and the goalie, the scout before the game, did you actually, did that help you? Or I mean, like what, cause you were a goal scorer. So how much did that help a goal score? Cause for me, I'm like, fuck, if I get a chance, I'm just hoping to get it on net. Okay. Like, it's the Kylie. stupidest thing in the world. I freaking hate it. Like these break, and you guys all played on these teams too. I mean, you come in and the goalie code's got the, all the charts like, oh, 17% high glove. I mean, 4%, you know, five hole. I'm like, five hole, that's the worst shot in hockey. That's you. you I mean, the only guy who scores five holes is Jason Pominville. The rest <laughs> is just like guys fan on the puck and it goes in and you're like, yep, that was me. I just, I think it's ridiculous because it's not basketball. The goalies move different. It's same thing with power plays. Like I hated these power play coaches that would be breaking it down, be like, okay, they're killing this way. I'm like, that doesn't mean they're going to kill like that at the same time. Every like it, it's impossible. Sure. Teams have structure, but you put your best five players on the ice. In my opinion, you help them get in the zone. But once you're in the zone, be like, you're there for a reason. You're getting paid for a reason. You figure it out. And that's just, yeah. So as far as your goalie stuff, I think it's a bunch of junk. I think it's just them trying to uh, justify their job and their paycheck. <laughs> so, do, so do do other guys feel that way? Like, have, like, have you ever talked to other guys about these goalie scouts or is that just your own, your own thought on it? No, God, I have to talk all the time. I think Zetterberg was always the best. He was like, because I mean, I was my end of the career, his end of the career. So we were just kind of bullshitting and we, we clicked and we got along good and, you know, Detroit had the same thing. I'm like, can you believe this shit? He goes, he's like, it's unbelievable. He's like, I wish you would have been here with Pav Datsuk because he's like, Datsuk hated all of it. He would like purposely, if, if they would be like, oh, this goalie only gets scored here 2% of the time, I'm going to score there today. <laughs> it's just so dumb. I'm like, you see, I mean, you come in from different angles all the time. You, you see as a goal scorer, yeah. you, you, you make a little move, you open up the blade and see what opens up. You don't think about percentages or or how a guy scored the night before. That's a bunch of shit. And we'll end on that note. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll end on that heater right there. I'll have to calm down now. <laughs> <laughs> is your is your place there? I can see the trees and everything. Is there a lake behind you? No lake behind me. No, no. We just uh, a pool behind me. That's it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you you said you're a pool guy, not a lake guy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Right. What's the weather like there right now? It looks nice. Uh, it's, yep. I'm going to go golf here in about uh, two o'clock tea time. So I got a little bit of time. Did you watch that? Did you watch that handicap? Give the shit. I'm a six. I, I, I watched the last two holes in intermission. I think it was. Didn't do it for me. It's painful. Yeah. It was absolutely painful. Right. How come you think, okay, before we quit the match, since you brought it up, was there a limited amount of tickets or just no one gives a shit about those four guys? It didn't seem like there was like, I mean, I feel like my member guest has more people there. <laughs> no one wanted to go because they didn't want to get hit. Did you see how many people were getting pegged by the balls? <laughs> yeah, that's true.
These guys yeah. were like, I mean, none of them were hitting the well sometimes, but s- most of them weren't hitting the fairway. It was just, it was dangerous. Yeah, I didn't see much of it. Like I said, the few holes I looked, Rogers looked pretty good, which I, I, I think he's a really good player. I, you know, I like having you on, Van, because you actually, you actually ask questions. When I'm talking with Rib, I feel like I've I've been interviewing Rib for six years. <laughs> Every day I it's do. an interview, and uh, if I if I if I just if he just stops talking, it just like I'm like oh I gotta ask uh, another question. But you guys know, are doing like, great. I enjoy it. Yesterday's was uh, funny. Great start yesterday, but I do actually have to agree with Ribs. You always do, but I'm okay. I, with I don't that. always agree with Ribs. Are you serious? Come on, he gives okay. he sends me the middle finger in a text all the time. Um, but no, I, what I was going to say is the topic, you got to be prepared. I under next time I'm on, send me a list of topics. I want to be prepared. So that'll be Riv's job, you know, because like Riv's all Riv's does is show up, turn his mic on, turn it off. It's your go golfing. show, man. You tell me that every day. It's, <laughs> it's my show. I'm running the show. I'm the, I'm the host. I, you know, I have the title. Yeah. He's got to edit. I mean, did Fucking you say does today? not sound like anything I would say ever. And anyone that knows me knows that you're full of shit. Uh, I think I jumped oh, on yeah. a little bit late, but do you, did you make sure today was episode one twelve? Did you say that? Sure did. Sure did. All right. Just got to, need to? but do I need to? You're, yeah, you're I, I think it's a good intro. It should be said. Hey, do you know who, uh, you know, who listens to the show and always comments and wants to come on and we're going to get him on. Tom T Bone Askey. Oh boy, there you go. They'll ask him about warm ups, warm ups in Rochester. He almost, he, he, I've never seen, he's an animal. I mean, I just kind of, we did the free lane shooting and you know, I got to warm up the slapper, the half clapper. So I let the half clapper go and I hit him right in the face mask, right in the head. And this guy's chasing me in warm ups. This is like my fifth pro game of ever i'm like what is going on here <laughs> i was like he's like you don't ever do that to me kid right in the glove i'm like sounds good sir yep glove he was the greatest guy but he had an edge man he yeah, he, did. he had an edge i'm gonna tell yeah. you he was uh he, he he always talks about that band the team had there three beers down they called it <laughs> yeah they were great they were good actually yeah he was a good dude or is a good dude. Sorry. Yeah, no, he's he's coming on. He's gonna come on. Perfect. We'll get him. We'll get him on one day. Banner, uh, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. We'll get, uh, is we'll Bronx talk. number two coming out today? I gotta finish that. Come on. Are you still uh, editing that? Hey, you know what? I had, a, I had a nice long weekend. I'll get to that when I get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got to keep everybody waiting in suspense. Someone, someone stopped me yesterday at the freaking grocery store, and they said, "Hey." I'm going to wait so long for Pronger part two. I'm not even going to remember how part one ended. Jeez. How does I it see. feel getting stopped? You probably didn't happen in your playing days ever. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.